Welcome to GoWP's Digital Agency Podcast. I'm Mariah, Director of Creative Services. And I'm Joanne. I am GoWP's Marketing Manager. And before we welcome our guests, I would like to say a few words about GoWP in case anyone listening is new here, isn't familiar with us and our WordPress services. I just want to get this out of the way really, really, really quick. So at GoWP, our teams create happiness for digital agencies, and we help them become more profitable. Whether it's joining in our incredibly valuable weekly calls, our happiness hour calls, or if you're looking for ways to grow your team with a dedicated developer, a copywriter, a designer, we got you covered. We also offer services like case studies, blogging, website maintenance, content edits, and page builds that you can completely outsource to our team or white label them as a new revenue source for your agency. Well, Joanne, why don't you tell the people how, if they are interested agency owners and solopreneurs, how they can find out more about GoWP? Yeah, for sure. So you can find anything you need from us on GoWP.com or our social media, social media channels. So on Twitter, we're GoWP support and GoWP everywhere else. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, get updates, what's going on with our weekly happiness hours. <laughs> ah, yes. I'm really excited, truly excited to welcome and chat with our guest today because he's so fun and he's knowledgeable and he's so approachable. The man to whom I'm referring is none other than Mr. Joe Goodhouse Casabona. We'll explain the Goodhouse in a moment. He's one of, he's the host of podcasts like How I Built It, Ship Your Podcast, WP Review, WordPress Review, and other shows. He is also a college instructor and the creator of Creator Courses. This is a series of courses that instruct small business owners and freelancers the skills and routes to creating and monetizing their content, building online courses, and even creating websites without code. All very valuable tools. Welcome, Joe Casabona. Welcome, Joe. How are you? Thank you both very much. What a great introduction. I am doing very well. I'm happy to be here to chat. This is nice because usually we're in a, a group call with like a dozen or so other people. So this is so nice to have some one-on-one-on-one on one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a conference call. Right, yes. right. Remember, remember those? We like, hold on, let me get the other person in the line. The, the party yeah. line. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you party for... Line accepting our invitation on that happiness hour call I slid into your dms as the kids say and maybe <laughs> maybe the invitation to come on you were you were you were kind and not freaked out by me sliding into said dm and uh, and accepting the invitation so well he was he was putting eyes on the chat I remember that because we were talking about the podcast and he was like wait what? what's, what's yeah, going on so I was that's like, right you mentioned there. looking for guests and I was like I did I like the eyes emoji right when I'm yeah. looking I'm, I'm like I see that I'm interested <laughs> I see you I see you. I won't <laughs> invite myself on to anybody's podcast but I'm happy to be invited I tell yeah. people I am happy to be your first guest because I know getting that first guest could be hard and most mm-hmm. people are going to be nervous for their first podcast episode and I I want to help people make it as easy as possible for them Oh, thank so you. So yeah, I heard it first here. Joe Casabona is open to be the first guest in your podcast. So if you're starting a podcast after you learn how to start a podcast with this course, get him on the podcast. Yes. 
it's, absolutely. It's absolutely. One, one stop shop here. See, it's all yeah. about shop. getting you on everyone's podcast for the first guest. Machine. And- <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> keeps on going. <laughs> so, you know, for anyone listening or watching on YouTube, uh, I think I speak for both Joanne and myself, we are not faking the joy. Like you are, you know, we've had wonderful guests, of course, everyone we invite, no one, we don't invite anyone who's not wonderful, but you are especially just, you know, just a great guy, great and a great podcaster in your own right. I feel like, you know, we should be bowing down to you, but yeah, we're both happy to have you here, Joe. One of the first things I wanted to talk about today is not even really a question at all. It's something that you brought up on one of our weekly happiness hour calls. Your name, it's a beautiful name, Joe Casabona. Casabona, you are of Italian descent. And tell us, tell the listeners what Casabona translates into. Yes, Casabona translates from Italian into good house. And yeah, I am of Italian descent on both sides. So I am 100% Italian American, which is something I feel like fewer people can say, right? They're like 100% of a certain descent. I always said that I would marry an Italian girl to keep that going. And I married an Irish girl because she's wonderful. And, you know, now I can say my kids are like Frank Sinatra, right? Because he was like half Italian, <laughs> half Irish. But oh. yeah, Casabona translates into good house. And everywhere. So anytime I go into like another Italian establishment and I introduce myself, they'll always give me like that knowing look. They'll be like, Casabona, good house right and they would do it to me in italy too we honeymooned in italy and they would ask me oh like capisce l'italiano right which do you understand italian and i would say like capisco, uh, io capisco un po l'italiano and then they'd be very disappointed that i don't speak that i'm not fluent in italian we're very we're very proud people so yeah but that's it's, it's a, a great tidbit i really like that because you know good house is a nice thing to have i mean it's a nice tradition to uh pass along the family line and to continue. And I, I totally feel you, my lineage, lineage, my father is Nigerian of the Yoruba ethnicity, the Yoruba tribe, and my mother is African-American. So a lot of different, a lot of different mixes in there. And then my great, great grandmother was German. Can you tell from my hair color? But, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's, I love, I love meaning. Not that every culture doesn't have meanings in the names, but like Orija, my last name in Yoruba, it means um, loosely translated. It's the head is stronger than any problem. And so I, I don't, I don't tend to get too overwhelmed and like, look at you shocked. I know. Shock and I love that's so that. cool. We're talking about my last name. Your last name is so much cooler. That's like a, no, that's like a, a, a word like, that's words to live by. That's it's like, a, yeah, it's a heavy burden actually, because whenever I do feel <laughs> like, oh man, I got a lot going on. I feel like my great, 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 great grandfather looking down at me. What is your name? Your name is Orija. Oh and I'm like, you're right. You're right. Great, great, great grandfather to the third power. You're right. I'm stronger than any problem facing me. No, but I, I think it's, I think it's really beautiful. And, you know, again, I mean, good house. You have a lot to live up to as well. I do. I, I do. That's like, and like, like my Joseph, depending on the language translates into a bunch of things. It can translate into like warrior or enlightened so I'm like, great. I'm like enlightened warrior of a good house. That's like a lot of pressure. I better. A lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the na- names matter. In fact, speaking of names, just a few weeks ago, this podcast was called Niche Agency Owner Podcast. And we are now Digital Agency Owner. Names matter. Oh. I mean, names matter. Names yeah, matter. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I'm not even going to go into my last name. It's Torres means towers. And it's usually an opening for like people who see me in person. They're like, Torres, because you're tall. <laughs> I love the way but... you said it though. Love the way you said it yeah. though. 
Torres, yeah, I roll my R's. I'm Dominican, I must. If not, they're like, what happened to you? You moved to the States and now who are you? They all washed out. (laughs) But like speaking of language and heritage, 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 you're someone called you that you were born a teacher. Are you teaching your kids Italian so they don't get flustered when they go to Italy and hopefully and ask for, I don't know, cacio pepe in the wrong way? (laughs) <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been trying. I've been teaching my daughter the Italian words that I know. And then I've been I've been doing Babel to try to learn Italian myself. I have tried to do this with each child, right? Because I've read that the language center is is developing the best between like I think four and ten months. And oh, so man. yeah, which is wild, right? And so yeah. I was like, if I speak enough Italian while my, you know, before my baby turns a year, then they'll be able to pick it up more quickly. Of course, they can still pick up language pretty quickly up until I think it's like, uh, like 10 or something like that. So I still have like six years, but clock reset on that. But like speaking of teachers and teaching your kids, you teach college courses. So you're the host of instructional podcasts and also you have LinkedIn courses. Can you talk a little bit about your love or your knack for teaching and how it originated and what your goal is to teach your students and, and for creating programs? This is a ton, this is like three questions in one. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, I will say I was not always good at teaching. I, the, my, the first teaching experience I remember was showing my mom how to use a computer. And I was like, mm. just right click. And she was like, what? She, so she moved her cursor to the right side of the screen and clicked. And I was like, no, 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 right click. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, just right click, which is not shouting the same words at people is not very effective as a teaching uh, strategy. But I got better because I was, I was free, a freelance web developer from the time I was 14. And so throughout... Yeah, it was very like, I like to say it was divine intervention because my church was like, we need a website. Can you make one? And I was like, nah. And they were like, we'll pay you. And I was like, yeah. So That's that was right. my first, my first gig was a paid gig, but I continued to do that because it was so fun. It was like, it was like, I got to flex my, my uh, creative side and my logical side. And it was, I loved it. And so I kept doing it. And as I was training people, right, because we moved from in the early 2000s, just like kind of static pages to content management sites where the mm-hmm. client can update their own site. And so I would train the clients. And for a long time, my clients would sit down with me and say, I'm really sorry, I'm really bad at this. And I would always say, that's why I'm here to show you if everybody knew what I knew, I'd be out of a job. And so I developed that, that we'll say empathy for the the student or for the learner at that point. And then when I went to grad school, I uh, didn't want to pay for grad school. So I applied for a teaching assistantship and I got it. And so I got to teach a one credit class three or four times a week. And I thought that was so fun. And when I graduated, I told the the computer science department, when you have an opening for an adjunct professor, let me know. And they're like, we have an opening. And so I got to teach there, but it was great. I, I learned as much. This is like so cliche. I learned as much from my students as, as they learned from me, right? Because by the time I started teaching, I was 10 years into a web design, web development, computer career. And so 
you forget what you didn't know, right? And and I so those students reminded me, right? One one time I was trying to explain to them like the difference between a page and a post in WordPress. And one of my students just raised her hand and said, I have no idea what any of that means. And I was like, great. I will rephrase this and explain it to you in in non-jargony terms. And so when you ask what my goal is for my students and, and the programs I create, it's it's I'll use the terminology that I stole from Troy Dean, which is get my students from zero to win. And he says that he does that over the uh, entirety of the course, as well as each individual lesson. So I would call it learn by doing. I don't just want to talk at somebody and then expect them to understand, right? Because that's like my experience with math class mm-hmm. is like teacher would explain it. And then I'm like, I totally get it. And then I would do the homework and I'm like, I don't even remotely get this. What so this I want logical? them to- logical? This is supposed to be yeah, logical. <laughs> exactly. I felt, I felt, quick sidebar, I dropped out of Calc. I withdrew from Calc. And I felt so bad because my teacher, Dr. Frizzola, was A, really good, B, a Yankee fan. So like we were buddies. <laughs> and I legit said, it's not you, it's me. When I withdrew from this class, I was like, I'm really sorry. Wow. It's not you, it's me. But so so when I approach my classes, there's always some goal for each lesson. And I want my students to have something tangible by the end of the course. So by the end of this course, you will have a podcast in, in Apple Podcasts. Or by the end of this course, you will have a website that is fully uh, using full site editing. And that helps students work along with each lesson. And then when they get stuck, they can ask while it's fresh. And then I can adjust the lesson or explain it in a different way. Yeah. And that way they can also move along with their own content personality, their own brand, their own agency. They don't feel like they have to abide, like do exactly just like a copy paste of exactly what you did. So that I feel like that, I think that it has a lot of value for the people who are doing those courses. Like, it's not like, oh, you're going to do the same thing I did. No, it's no, no, no. This is more of a, like a framework for you to actually apply to your business. And I think that's such a good approach, Uh, good, I mean, useful approach in terms of good and trying to reframe my mind from saying good or bad because everything is relative, right? (laughs) So in this context, I mean, um, like it's a useful approach. It's tangible in terms of how you can apply it to your business. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. I I agree. And especially with when you're selling courses, right? Because like college is kind of a captive audience. Most of the time they have to take Mm -hmm. the, the course usually, but if people are buying a course that you're selling, most people buy courses aspirationally. Course completion rates are abysmal, like 10% of people who buy courses complete them. I am absolutely guilty of this. And it's, and so when you are showing, first of all, when you break each lesson up into a zero to win, now they can take the course over time when they want to, Mm -hmm. right? This is called just in time learning. I need to learn how to do this thing this lesson from this course I bought will show me how to do it. So I'm going to watch this video and then move on to the thing I'm trying to do. But if they are taking the whole course and they're doing something along the way, now they're encouraged to finish, right? Because it's like that fallacy of sunk cost a little bit, but it's also people want to complete the things they start. So if we start off and say, okay, install a, install a WordPress site on local. Uh, and here's how to do that. All right. Now you have some, now you have a thing that you can work from, right? Now we're going to install this theme or record your first episode. 
of your podcast. Great. Now, now I have something tangible. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Can you just speak to the fallacy of sunk cost? Totally. Yeah. The fallacy of sunk cost is when somebody, uh, I don't think I used it correctly as I was explaining it, but it's the idea that you are, you've spent so much time on something that you're going to finish it no matter what. Right. So Mm -hmm. in poker, let's say if you're not familiar with Texas Hold'em, you you get two cards and then you make a bet. Right. Uh, So let's say I bet a dollar. All right. Then the dealer flips over three cards. So then I look at the cards in my hand and the cards that he just turned over. And now I make another. Then comes the fourth card. This is called the turn card. I look at my cards. Somebody bets. I make another bet. Now the river comes and I know the river is the last card. Sorry, the, the fifth card comes. So I have seven cards and I need to make the best five card hand. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's no way I can win this hand. And the person I'm playing against raises me $100. Well, I'm already in it for $50. So I might as well just see it through. See That's it through. the fallacy of the hmm. sunk cost, right? Or if, you're, if, if we're relating it to digital agency owners, right? You're working on a, a plugin or you're working on a proposal and you've mm-hmm. spent 10 hours on this proposal and you're like, this is, te- this is terrible. The client's never going to go for it. And even if they do go for it, it's not going to be good for my business, but I've already spent 10 hours on it. So now I'm going to send it to the client. And if they accept it, well, they've accepted it. So now I'm in it. That's the fallacy of the sunk cost. You should cut your losses, but people like to complete the things they start. I was going to say, you said cut your losses. I was thinking you do need to know when to hold them, Joe, when to fold them. And, and when to fold them. That's exactly right. And when the dealing's done, you know, I think, you know, you were, your parents wisely named you Joseph, because I think you just demonstrated for everyone why you are such an effective instructor, such a, such a great teacher and inspiring small business leaders and your students every day. It's so awesome to hear you speak on that. One of the other elements of your, of your great teaching is the community that you build into your courses and your creative courses you place a really high emphasis on community. And I thought, um, was wondering if you could talk about your own experience in different communities over your 20 years as a developer, as a course creator and small business owner, and what is the value? Like, why do you emphasize students engage in the community and that you have that strong community to offer? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I don't know if you can tell, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> Uh, and I was heavily involved in, in community. I mean, I guess, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but I was certainly involved in communities from a young age. My, my dad coached my first t-ball team and made sure I was involved in soccer. And then I joined drama club, like my teacher, shout out Miss McCullough, who I think is now sister Mary, sister Mary. She, she saw in me the, the ability to, act and be on stage and and be in front of people. And she made sure I joined drama club, which I did from second grade all through, through 12th grade. And so, yeah, it was so much, I like missed it. This is why I podcast. People ask why I podcast is because I miss drama club, (laughs) but those communities brought out the best in me. Right. Mm. And the WordPress community, when I first started the WordPress community gave me my first speaking gig. And now I love, I mean, I knew from drama club that I would love speaking probably, but I didn't have that confidence. I didn't think, oh, I can get on stage and and 
show a complete group of strangers who isn't a captive audience what I know. And now it's one of my favorite things to do. And so being being parts of communities have have made me better and they're so important. I just I joined the marketing committee for my daughter's school last night. She goes to a small well, I don't know if it's small, but a Catholic school, St. Joe's. And so they don't have a marketing budget, so they need a marketing committee and they need somebody who knows websites. And that first meeting, I was so excited when I left. It was it was great to be interacting with people again. And so communities show you that you're not alone, I think, Mm -hmm. because this is something that I was feeling throughout the pandemic and I'm not from the area I live. This is my wife's hometown. So I don't have a lot of friends here. And last night I I went to this, this committee meeting of five people, six people. And I, I felt instantly like I was part of something. And so when my students are taking an online course at home, I don't want them to feel like they're alone, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, I, I'm having trouble submitting this to Apple Podcasts. Yes, Apple Podcasts makes it seem impossible. And so you can ask a question in my community and other people will answer. And I think that's the, the when, you're, when you're learning, you, it's, it's better to learn together and it's better to go together. And the community helps that. It, it, it lets people know that they're not the only person taking this course. And if they get stuck, they only have me. They have other people who are at the same stage of them as them, or they can figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's so important as well to reiterate that you're not alone and it, this problem has most likely already happened to someone and yeah. it's not in your head <laughs> because yeah. it's in those, in those times where you're frustrated and you're just like, I don't know what it is. It's just not working. It's a me problem. It's, it's not you. It's me um, going somewhere where you can, ask and and in total confidence and 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 you know that like no one's gonna like make fun of you or anything like that because that's everyone's like their worst fear right of saying like oh or you know you're not good enough or anything not knowing that all of those things are like stay at the door when you're in those communities is so important and I think they're so valuable and that's really what I love like as as an outsider coming into the WordPress community only for a year now, I found that kind of validation in our happiness hours at class calls, so to say classes <laughs> and the agency owners group, because I get to connect with a lot of agency owners who may be frustrated about something or just want to celebrate like a really good win, you know, even if like things like, you know, I just made my first six figure deal. Like that's and yeah. being able to support people and be there for them. It feels, you know, it, it's kind of like, for me, it's like an anxiety reliever, reliever, because like when you don't know what to do, like helping others is so helpful as well. And I'll, Does I'll feel that? <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that since we're talking about, you know, content and creativity, creating content. I'm so ashamed that I've forgotten his last name. One of the writers for, he worked with Norman Lear, a great, you know, producer of television, revolutionized television. First name is Jerry. Last name, I'm, I've totally lost it. But anyway, he was a writer for the Jeffersons, the Golden Girls, and several other shows. And I was in a writing course with him. And that's one of the things he said about the value and almost the, the sacredness of the writing of the writer's room. It has to be a safe place to fail and explore and to ask 
is this anything? And I think that you don't, you don't have to be a Hollywood writer for that to be applicable to the work that you do in anything, whether it's creating contents or developing new, new sites or, or a podcast, you know, is this anything and having that safe response from, from others is, is so important. Otherwise you've killed all creativity. Yeah. yeah. So and what's the point of that? Yeah. There's no bad ideas in brainstorming, right? It's funny. You said, is this anything? Cause isn't that also the name of Seinfeld's new book? It's called, this is anything. Is oh, this really? Anything? Are you thinking of Jerry Lewis? No, 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 okay. no. I can find it while we're talking. No, it's uh, he's an awesome guy, but I can't recall his last name. Which is, it, which is very interesting because I, I go to Emily all the time with like half big, big ideas. Like, is this something, am I like, dreaming like daydreaming like what is that and she's like wait yeah. no yes this is definitely hold on like let me take because you never on. know who's going to take something and and help you run with it yeah. or who you can sell an idea to based on like a, a small nugget of or a small seed of something that can be you know and I think that's that's just so powerful in itself one more point on that is I, I would also try to embody that when I was on the other side. Right. So like if I was in a classroom and the teacher asked if there were any questions and I had questions, I would always ask them. Right. I'd mm-hmm. always ask them. Cause I know I'm probably not the only person. And even if I am, I'm not like ashamed that I don't know something I'm going to ask. Uh, and I carried that professionally too. When I left my last full-time job, my, my, my employees, my coworkers, message me and they're like, so who's going to ask all the hard questions like during the company meetings? I'm like, any of you, it was, it was in you all along. Like if you have these questions, just ask them. And that's Um, your legacy, Joe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, just, I like, I asked like hard, like we were having trouble making payroll Mm. and we had hired somebody and I was like, so are we telling this new hire that we're having trouble making payroll? And Mm. like, people like, I can't believe you asked that. And I'm like, I would want to know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. never going to be afraid to ask a question. I'm never going to be afraid to ask a question. Yeah, I yeah, as someone who has been called obtuse and awkward <laughs> for asking hard questions, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a like an unveiling of a branding of the new branding of a previous company I was and there was everyone was like all of the stakeholders were called to the podium and they were talking about, you know, how how great it, the the branding reflect reflected the new values of the company all of these things and they were all men and all, everyone in the in the audience we were all like whispering like seriously like not even we have product designers who are women there there are two but they are there and <laughs> i they were asking for questions they're like really no one's going to ask any questions and i'm like i was terrified to ask but i was like were there any women involved in this in this decision making and everyone in the audience you know, was like, yeah, you know, everyone like applauding, clamoring, all of these things, but the whole podium, they were just like stark face. And of course, cause I put all of these, you know, executives and, 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 you know, directors and VPs into a very uncomfortable position in the front in in front of the whole company. And, you know, it's my point with this is that it's really hard to ask these type of questions, but you never know who's going to be seen and who's going to see that and be able to validate either their story, their thoughts with what you you'd said. So right, the, the person that you asked the question to might have not liked the question, but your peers appreciated it and maybe were emboldened by it. Right. And yeah. I think that so like if 
I, I am somebody who I, maybe it seems like I complain on Twitter a lot. I've been trying hard not to, but I will not complain unless I have complained to the appropriate people and I have a suggestion, right? I'm not just going to bring up problems without solutions, right? That's my brother's managing style too. He, he works at Disney. And so when some, when a cast member comes to him and has a complaint, he's like, what is your proposed solution? And they're like, I don't know. And he's like, well, come back to me with a proposed solution. So you want to, you want to empower people, whether it's your peers, whether it's your students and, and getting them to ask questions and, 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 and open up and, and talk about their struggles. That's how they're going to learn and grow. I think this went really, this went a lot deeper than I expected it to. <laughs> it did. That's, that's what, that's what we're all about here. And you, really you went there. You, you mentioned Disney and I was thinking, should we jump ahead to Disney? Maybe we'll come back to Disney because we do want to talk about Disney, but little, I think this- little teaser. A little stay teaser, tuned. stay tuned, friends. Yeah. But I want to. egg. <laughs> I want to. This is a great place to pivot because we're we're talking about information and how information and ideas are shared in our in our these contemporary times and you know diversity and, and all of that and you know when you talk about not being afraid to ask a question, we look back in history all the time at moments of tragedy and loss. Oftentimes, those those cataclysmic moments weren't unforeseen. Somebody at the table thought something's wrong with this scenario, but they didn't speak up. And then in retrospect, mm-hmm. it's like, why didn't we connect the dots? I mean, we can look at so many events, 9-11, the assassination of so many of our leaders. And it's like, somebody knew something was, was off, but didn't speak yeah. up. But I, I want to look back to the past, but not something less tragic than an assassination of a leader. <laughs> Let's talk about one of the people you like. Mr. Bill Gates. We're going to go back in the way back machine to last century to uh, about 1996. And that that <laughs> phrase content is king is a phrase that a lot of us were familiar with. And I did some digging. I wasn't familiar with the origin or who um, first coined the phrase. Turns out it was Mr. William Gates. He wrote an essay back in the day. And I'll just read out some of the some of the some main points of the of the essay he wrote. Some of those ideas were that content is where much of the real money will be made on the internet, just as it is, as it was in broadcasting. He said, content will go far beyond software news. No company, this really stuck out to me, no company is too small to participate in content creation. And content creation will ultimately sweep the world as communication costs come down and a critical mass of localized content becomes available in different countries. For the internet to to thrive, Content providers must be paid for their work. Great, we're talking about content and monetization today. Gates also said, often their efforts are based um, on passion and on the belief that over time, someone will figure out how to get revenue. We're, we're, we're there. <laughs> we're, we're where Bill, because we're on first name basis, wh- what he predicted. <laughs> he thought we were, we were, in 1996, he thought we were just a year away from having the, the processes in place um, for content to be monetized. So is that, should we all just sit back and say, yep, Bill was right. Content is still king and small businesses can, can be a part of the game, considering that everybody once upon a time, sorry, I'm, I'm making this find the question in this, in this monologue, but once upon a time, the marketing department, you know, they were responsible for creating the content that, you know, that earned it in it, uh, revenue, but everybody's involved now, you know, this, this podcast, you know, we're creating, I mean, kind of cheating, Joanne is marketing, <laughs> but, I, but I, why not? Um, 
all, all sorts of staff people are, 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 have become the creators. So I guess my question for you in that diatribe is, was he right? I mean, what what is the role? Where should small businesses, how should they be stepping into content in 2021 and beyond? Well, 2022. Yeah, it's 2022, yeah, gosh. The 21st century, how that will cover us for a while. Perfect. I think that this, I mean, 1996, that's prescient, right? And and the fact that prescient, prescient is the fact that Bill Gates was saying, you know, it's a no company is too small. Microsoft was already
Yeah. And then it's your job to kind of like keep them, keep them fed <laughs> rather than eating. Yeah, fit, I, guess. I don't know if that's a good analogy. <laughs> you made, you made an excellent point, right? I wrote a blog post about this when Facebook went down back in, when it was just Facebook. We all remember that's where right, we yeah. were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got so much done that day. Um, <laughs> but you know, people, again, it was easy for people to be like, you got to own your own platform, right? Sure. If I want to go off and uh, build a cabin in the woods away from everybody on unincorporated land so I don't have to pay taxes, but it's my house, I don't, I'm not going to expect anybody to come visit me because there's no roads, there's no infrastructure, there's no grocery store. So yeah, there is definitely a, a place and time for you to own your own platform, but don't dog not owning your platform or whatever, right? That's, it's still somebody today, as we record this said, doesn't anybody write blog posts anymore? Cause they were reading like Twitter threads. And I was like, yes, people are writing their blog posts on Twitter where you get instant gratification because people yeah. are liking like every point you make. What, what platform allows people to like specific paragraph? I guess medium lets you do that now that I'm thinking about it, but yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, and and that's where your audience is, right? You don't have to be like, hey, go to my site. You just, here's, here are my thoughts. Turn it into a blog post if you want, but bring the message to where your audience is. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the, the Twitter thread thing because there are some amazing marketers making a lot of great points within Twitter threads. But I'm so interested in the life cycle of a Twitter thread in terms of how do you, how do you take that and also distribute that and, and, and repurpose that content um, into different, you know, maybe one making a blog post is, is very valuable, but I'm also very interested in the, in the life cycle of the Twitter thread, because it's exactly what you say. It's the instant gratification. Like who doesn't want to go like what, what's more valuable going viral and getting, I don't know, 20,000 retweets or having a blog post with a comment section off. Right. And so a couple of things there, right? You make a really good point about life cycle, right? I had a guest on my podcast. Her name is Elizabeth Pamplone. And she dropped some crazy knowledge on me that was like Facebook post 30 minutes. Twitter, the life cycle of a tweet is 21 minutes. Meanwhile, Pinterest is like 151,000 hours. So Twitter thread have a clear call to action at the end of it, right? This is what they recommend on the, oh gosh, it's like, it's Allie and another name that rhymes with Allie. Or the, yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the deliverability podcast from ConvertKit. It's so good. And, you know, they, they gave some tips on Twitter threads. It's like, you have a Twitter thread, have a clear call to action at the end to get people on your mailing list, right? But then you can also, right, you can take those tweets and turn them into a blog post. There are apps out there like Chur, getchurapp.com, that lets you compose a, a Twitter thread. It'll break it up into a thread for you. So I will like type long form thoughts in my writing app, paste it over into Chur, have a Twitter thread, and then I can publish it to my blog too. So it, it's, you know, you want to you wanna repurpose absolutely where you can, but you also, like we said, you want to be where your audience is. Yeah, and we'll have... All Everything we mentioned, we'll have that on the show notes just for, for anyone who's wondering, who's like going back, like, what is it? Was it chirp? Was it, can you repeat that <laughs> trip? Yeah. 
I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'm making notes to say, but it's get chir, C H I R R app. Awesome. Thanks, com. Joe. Yeah. Can you automate those, the chirp? Yeah. 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 You can schedule threads and a neat feature that they recently rolled out was you can, you can drip out the threads now. So I can say, here's a thread, start it on this date, publish one tweet from the thread each day. So I don't know if you've been following my tweet 100 posts, but they've been like threads on topics. Chur is doing all of that for me. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a super helpful tool for all content managers and community managers out there. So I'll, I'll, I'll take yeah. a note on that. Yeah. Big, big fan of it. And, and Publer just recently rolled out and Publer's like, I got a AppSumo lifetime deal. It's like the only one I use. And they recently rolled that out too, but their interface is a little bit more clunky. Cause it's like, you have to make a thread by starting a tweet and then adding comments to it because mm-hmm. they wanted other platforms where like, sure is like, this is for tweet threads. We know what we're about. So it's, uh, there's a lot of value in that. You want thing into it very, very well. Yeah. I don't know who said someone important said that, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, that really speaks to me. Well, you said it today. So that's why people will, will quote you mm-hmm. from here on out. So we have like to, that. we have to circle back to Disney. You mentioned that your brother or your brother-in-law works for for Disney. My brother. Yeah. Brother. My youngest brother. My favorite brother is what I tell people. <laughs> <We're the same. laughs> Does he give you Disney passes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My oh, other okay. brothers now. He'd be my, my favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, have to, they have to earn earn their keep in your heart. So, so you are, you know, anyone who follows you online or who talks to you knows that, you know, you're all about family and they might even get a sense of your love of Disney. And I was wondering, did was the love for Disney always there? Or did the child, the arrival of the children be, ring the Disney? It was uh, always there. It was always yeah. there. It was always there. Always there. We went for the first time in, well, we went for the first time in like 1989 when I was like four. But the first memorable time was like 1999. My dad wanted to take one more big family trip before I went to high school where I guess he thought I would like abandon the family. And then we, (laughs) we started taking annual trips to Disney and it was just, there was so much to do and so much fun that I, it was always just like a positive experience for me. And and then when we got older, my parents would be like, Hey, go, this is a safe place. Go off and do your own thing. thing. Yeah. We're going to get massages or whatever. And I just thought that was so great. And there's so much to do. And every time we went, there was something new to discover. And then my brother, and then I graduated from college and my brother got a job in the Disney college program because he loves, he loves it even more than I do. But we also, I'll just, I'll say, we also love the story of Walt Disney. Like Mm -hmm. Walt Disney is like great work hard, do the things again a visionary like 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 we won't see for a long time i think and so when i had disposable income and my brother was working there and i was working remote i would just go to to visit him in florida sometimes and we would go to the parks and if i had to work i would work in one of the areas there and it just the it was pirates so, of the caribbean yeah cafe. just hang out one time i worked one time i worked in uh there's like this, if you have like a chase credit card, you, there's like this chase lounge. And I went there and I was overlooking spaceship earth, which is the big golf ball at Epcot. Epcot mm-hmm. is my favorite park. 
Spaceship Earth is my favorite ride. Well, Haunted Mansion is my favorite ride, but Spaceship Earth is my favorite ride at Epcot because it's like a ride all about communication. Amazing. Anyway, and so <laughs> that was just like from, from a young age through adulthood, it was always such a positive impact for me. I have like ran half marathons at Disney World, which is, well, run is generous. I participated <laughs> And half marathon. Hey, you ran that half marathon. (laughs) I ran as best as I could. I completed half marathons. There you go. I can't say that. It's, it's, I mean, people say if I can do it, you can do it. But really, if I can do it, you can do it. I'm like, my right (laughs) leg is like shorter than my left leg. And like, I'm a husky guy. I'm not built to run. And so it's just always been, and now my kids love it, of course, too. And and we were going to go in March of 2020 before my son came along that fell through. And so now, yeah, we'll probably wait until number three is around six months or so, I think is what we're thinking. Before you make the trip. And it's always, you mentioned our our friend Walt Disney. It's always, it's frequently a lesson, I think in most business schools, what, what he imagined and what he ultimately created and lives on today. I guess his children and grandchildren are fighting among many different topics and things, but you know, they content is something that they got right. (laughs) They did a thing Mm -hmm. or two right with Disney, though they are Disney, the global monster that they are. And I say monster, not in a negative way. (laughs) What can Sully? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Sully from Monsters Inc., right? Exactly. Oh, I thought you meant I thought you meant Scully who like flew the plane over. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Not the same. All right. Not the same. (laughs) That was fun to watch. (laughs) That movie may have been sponsored partially by uh, Disney, but the what can small business owners (laughs) and freelancers learn from the Disney way of creating content and you know when I say branding Disney, that seems like such a, a mountain of an idea, but it started, Walt Disney didn't start where the company is now. So what can, what can a small business owners take away from what they've done and built? Yeah. What a great question. And I will, I will pick this lesson from the pantheon of, of Walt Disney lessons. Walt Disney insisted that all of their animations from a certain time on, especially all of their movies were done in color. And he got pushback from other people saying no one has color TVs. This technology isn't around yet. And Walt understood that there would be that technology and if they didn't do it now, then they'd have to go back and redo it or be, you know, behind the times. And so Walt was very forward thinking there. But the lesson that I would want people to take is if you are going to do something, do it well. Mm-hmm. So no matter what content you're creating, right? I've heard people go, oh, I just like kind of record the Zoom call and then upload it. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's not a lot of effort. And your listeners will be able to tell. My worst performing YouTube videos are the ones I just recorded real quick because I felt like I needed to publish something. And that's another thing. You know, they'll say the YouTube favors the algorithm and consistency, but viewers favor quality. So if you need to skip that Tuesday that you usually publish and put it out Wednesday or Thursday because it'll ultimately be better, take the extra time 
and, and do it right. Like my boss, Mr. Rizzi would always say, do it once, do it right. So Mr. Rizzi, you know, my, my artistic partner, he is an animator and he was one of, he's no longer with Disney, but he was, he was with Disney at one point. <laughs> and one of our favorite bars in LA was the Snow White Cafe. And he would sit there and, you know, they had the, they had the characters painted on the wall and he'd be sitting back with like a stein of beer and just like looking at the, he's a very meticulous man, Sam. And he would just stare at the images and go, they're not right. They're not they like, just like, and calling out all of the, all of that was wrong with the, with the renderings and all like, that's not to say, yeah. but you know, and he's so, we've, we've worked together on a lot of different projects and he can be maddening, maddingly, maddingly uh, meticulous but the quality of his work, I mean, he's done like the uh, Princess and the Frog and um, Rapunzel and he, one wow. of, he just won, they, they just won a, a, an Oscar for Hair Love. That was probably two years ago before the pandemic. Yeah. He's yeah. It, like the work, like you said, it pays off. And yeah, like they don't, it takes, he's done his own projects before. And I'm like, Sam, let's do this, let's do that. And it's, it's but it takes time. And so having that patience to say, no, we're going to wait till this job is right. But in the end, I mean, look, Disney, Disney is what it is because they waited until they had everything right. Um, yeah, absolutely. By the way, Princess and the Frog, I just saw it for the first time recently because my daughter watched it. So good. Beautiful. So you know, good. you know what? Let, how, old is your, how old is your daughter again? If you mind sharing. She's four. She's four. She's, oh, yeah, she's four. Let, yeah. Let's let's talk and I'll have Sam send her something. He does it all the time for my for my nieces and nephews all the time. He'll send them oh, like man. drawings and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I was going to do a, like a counterpoint, but no, I'm not you should do the counterpoint. That. Just just so we can get both sides of the coin as well in our industry as well. Like I do understand that attention to detail is very important. Putting effort into your into your work. Yeah, no one wants a half ass job. That, that's not yeah. what we're here for. But on top of all that, I I also want to make note of that we're not talking here about like getting analysis paralysis from getting over and over and, and trying to finish like, oh, it's never gonna be done. We're not, we're not doing Disney, Disney films here. Um, done is better than perfect. And in most of our cases for what we put out. And and I'm not saying I don't think anyone that 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 we well, none of us here ship things that are, are half-assed, but I do think that done is better than perfect sometimes. And just to your point of benefiting the algorithm and in this world of algorithms and all these, who are we really making content for? Like, I think it's really important to ask yourself that question. Like, who are you making content for? Are you asking, are you making content for an algorithm that's going to possibly show this to someone on the offhand that that person will become your client, you got to be a little bit more strategic than that. You know, you, we also are making content for people who, who will convert, hopefully. I, 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 I want to stress that. I want to stress that because I, I just wrapped up a, a five-week program, a five-week bootcamp uh, called Beyond Eight to teach podcasters how to get beyond the, get to the eighth episode, right? Because most mm. podcasts stop after seven. And I, I said that repeatedly, right? So it's, it's, maybe it sounds like conflicting messages done is better than perfect, but, but done does all also doesn't mean half-assed, right? So you can put the effort in, give yourself a deadline, do the best job you can and, and put out that content. Maybe it's not going to be as perfect as you think it, as you originally thought it would be, but put it out there. Right. And, I, and so I, again, I, yeah, I think I'm, I, I'm uh, giggling. But, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, I, I, I mean, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's get it, get it out there. Some of the videos that and, and also like we're our own worst enemy, right? Because mm. sometimes I'll put out a video and I was like, this was trash. And it like it kills. It kills. So I think I think put in an honest effort and put it out there. But, but don't just, just don't just say I'm going to throw something together real quick. That has never worked out for me. There's so many people in this world. You'll reach someone with your best efforts, whatever that is. And I'm yeah. giggling here, agreeing with you both, because I'm thinking of the number of times I've walked off a stage evaluating my performance, saying that just was awful because of X, Y, Z. And then you go out, you know, you, you, you get, take your costume off. You're just ready to get into your car and someone's waiting in the lobby with tears in their eyes going, I love this performance. That meant so much to me. I'll never forget it for X, Y, Z. And it's like, do your best and yeah. let, let the audience interpret the value and what yeah. they took from it. So, man, this has been an awesome conversation. We might have to do a, okay, let's just go ahead and agree. We will do a part two of this. And before, before we wrap up, do you want to, because uh, at GoWP, we're all about creating happiness. Do you want to share with us how you're creating happiness for yourself this week or something that is creating happiness for you? Joe something that is creating happiness for me. I, this is, Gosh, this week, it's going to sound like a weird answer maybe, but the the marketing committee that I went to yesterday, and it's just, I'm excited because I guess it's because my dad was always, my parents were involved in the, the things we did. And so I'm happy and excited to be joining a new community, expanding my network and contributing to my daughter's school in, in the best way that I know how. That's such happy. a cool way to show up for your kid too. Yeah. Like yeah. it's sure it may not like, nah, you just got to show up. You're doing a great job. <laughs> my so dad cool. was, my dad was at every single baseball game, every, every drama club performance, every soccer game. Like he, he made sure that, that I could see him and he had four kids, four boys all around this, like all six within six years of each other. So like he must have paid the scheduler to make sure that we played on adjacent fields all the time. Back again, Mr. Casabona. Yeah, yeah. Joe. <laughs> yeah, Louie. Back again. Seeing Joe this year. Yeah, Louie. Come on. Let's go. I'll put my lawn chair in between these two fields. Put my kids there. <laughs> awesome. This has been an awesome conversation, Mr. Joe Casabona. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being our guest today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for letting me talk for way too long. No, this is no, this is great. And thank you for for allowing me to do all those counterpoints and and having just being such a great conversationalist. Thank you to everyone who listened or watched this on YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And you can get this and other episodes of the GoWP Digital Agency podcast wherever you get your podcast. And as a quick reminder, at GoWP, we want to help you become more profitable, whether it's listening to our podcast or joining in our weekly happiness hours, viewing informative web uh, webinars hosted by our friends like Joe Casabona, for example. He has a really great uh, webinar on full site editing in the WordPress community. And of course, by growing your team with our super skilled developers, copywriters, designers, go to GoWP.com to read more about our services and to schedule a discovery call. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for